The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies for another show. Uh, this is going to be the Big Johnson Show because I'm bringing on the Brothers Johnson. No, I'm not talking about Thunder Thumbs and Lightning Licks who... Uh, Put out those popular songs, I'll Be Good to You and uh, Strawberry Letter 23. But we're going to be talking to two brothers that have gone different ways in racing. Uh, Billy Johnson has gone on to be one of the most successful jockey agents. As a matter of fact, uh, his rider was the leading rider in 2010 and 2011 in number of wins, and that would be Deshaun Parker currently riding at Mountaineer. And his brother Gary was a 23-time title-winning trainer at Thistledown in Cleveland. And right now, he's no stranger to any of you that are in the handicapping contest. And pretty much uh, in addition to being a good dad and granddad, uh, he's uh, on the computer. He's doing his handicapping. He also is the, the official handicapper for Beulah Park. But the main thing is Gary has... Uh, Landed in the national championship, I believe, on uh, six occasions he's competed for the top prize. So uh, we've got we've got an interesting agent and a good handicapper. They're going to be with us on the show. Well, let's see what's happening in the world of racing. We'll look back at the last week, and uh, it looks like a former Winning Ponies guest, Ramon Dominguez, broke the record for annual earnings by a jockey. He. Uh, uh, did it in a second-place finish, and 25,000 claimer at Aqueduct. It wasn't a big race that put him over the top, but he surpassed the record of 23,354,000 that was set in 1923 by Jerry Bailey. And, of course, uh, the year is not over. During Breeders' Cup weekend, Dominguez won the $3 million Breeders' Cup turf on Little Mike. That added a nice $1.62 million to his earnings this year. Uh, just a real class act, a very hard rider. The last rider to exceed $23 million in earnings was Garrett Gomez, who just missed Bailey's record back in 2008. And also on the uh, lady side of things, uh, Rosie Napravnik's, uh had a record-breaking season. Uh, with her uh, win with Shanghai Bobby in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. She's the first female rider to surpass $10 million in a single season in purse earnings. And, of course, she's going to add to that. Uh, her amounts have earned over $11 million, uh this year. Uh, she became the first woman to win the Kentucky Oaks. What a year she's had. And the second woman outside of Julie Crone, who's been with us on Winning Ponies, uh, to win a Breeders' Cup race. So that's some good news on the jockey's front. On some not-so-good news, a guy we spoke about a couple weeks ago after his uh, splitting up with Godolphin, Frankie Dettori is said to test positive in France. 
uh, for a banned substance. They haven't announced exactly what it is. The Tory, he's going to turn 42 on December 15th. Uh, again, he's making a split with Godolphin after 18 years. He's going to offer his services on a freelance basis. Um, he's been the champion jockey in Great Britain, 94, 95, 2004. He's won just about every major international race except the Kentucky Derby. In 1993, he was cautioned by British police for cocaine possession. I'm sure there's a lot of guys sitting in jail right now that would just like to get a caution for that. But anyhow, Frankie DeTore at uh, 42, soon to be uh, in the doghouse. Well, speaking about being in the doghouse, Again, uh, the program was pretty much forced on the horsemen in Kentucky that uh, Lasix will be administered by state vets. And since it started back at Keeneland, we are now on our fourth mix-up. Again, there were two snafus at Keeneland, uh, although neither horse was scratched. One wasn't supposed to race on Lasix and did. The other one was supposed to get Lasix and didn't. Uh, This time... The the, uh, the horse uh, was given two injections, and they had to be scratched at Churchill Downs. It's the second time uh, that happened. Oddly enough, the name of the horse was Booby Prize, and I think the, the decision to have only state vets administer Lasix rather than a vet that you're familiar with that's familiar with your horses is the real Booby Prize down there in the bluegrass. Folks, I'm no genius, but how about this idea? When... A vet gives Lasix to a horse. He snaps a little tag on the horse's halter that'll say Lasix administered by veterinarian John Smith on this date. And the horse goes over to the paddock. Then the trainer clicks the tag off. He's got that for his records, and everybody knows. This way, if another trainer walks up on a horse that has a tag, he's going to know he's already had his Lasix. So, uh it ain't brain surgery, guys. Let's get the tags on the halters. Okay, hey, this is kind of a good surprise that might happen. Uh, the Cigar Mile might get a new entrant in Groupie Doll. Now, Buff Bradley originally, you know, was said Groupie Doll was pretty much uh, done for the season. Uh, we know that uh, she'll probably uh, get a, a, a championship female Eclipse Award. Uh, but, boy, they brought her over for that parade of champions at Churchill the other day, and she was on the muscle, feeling so good. Uh, he, Buff Bradley wants to look at the weights and make sure they're fair, uh, and if so, he says he'll probably go. I mean, Groupie Doll, she's won five straight races since he put on those little quarter cup blinkers, uh, and she was the heaviest of favorites uh, to win a Breeders' Cup event, and now she's earned more than $1.3 million. Great story again. Uh, the Bradleys just run a small farm outside of uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, and uh, it would be something else. It would be interesting, too, to see her uh, take on the boys. Uh, well, one boy she won't be taking on, he's retired, is uh, Frankel. And, of course, uh, Frankel won the Cartier Horse of the Year, uh, the top uh, crown over in Europe. Uh, and now he's won back-to-back Cartier Horse of the Year. The only other uh, horse was Ouija Board, and she didn't do it back-to-back. She did it in 2004 and 2006. Frankel's been a champion in each of the three years he raced. Of course, uh, he... Uh, he went, he went 14 and 0 during his career. Uh, Black Caviar, unbeaten in 22 outings, takes the Cartier Sprinter Award. Uh, Camelot uh, won the three-year-old Colt Award over there, and the Fugue, a horse that 
Ed Meyer and I bet on pretty good not long ago. Uh, she got blocked big time in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare. She won the Cartier three-year-old Philly Award. Uh, so uh, we, we often talk about the different tracks we go to and some of the ones we love and think you'll love, and one will be uh, the fairgrounds. Back to the traditional opening of Thanksgiving Day, uh, the fairgrounds will open with so that reminds me, we will have a rebroadcast of our Breeders' Cup show here on Winning Ponies on Thanksgiving Day if you're not nodding asleep on the couch. Uh, the fairgrounds is scheduled 56 stakes worth over $7 million, of course, highlighted by the Louisiana Derby. Also on the undercard that day, it will be the fairgrounds Oaks. And that race has produced five of the last eight winners of the Kentucky Oaks. So, you know, you might want to see what's happening uh, around uh, the middle of March. And, man, if you can work your way down to New Orleans, it will be worth it. And, and there are a little added plus this year. This is going to be the 100th Louisiana Derby, and they're going to open up the infield. I mean, normally the infield down there is only open for the, uh, the Jazz Fest, but uh, this uh, infield fest will be the first time that they've opened it up on a live racing day since the 1930s. So you can bet if they're doing it in New Orleans, they are going to do it right. So opening day, Thanksgiving day, check with the racetrack near you. Uh, some change their schedule uh, to more of an abbreviated schedule, but a lot of people are saying, hey, what the heck, the uh, turkey's in the oven, i got something to do, I'm going to go bet some horses at the fairgrounds. All right, one of the horses that put on a, just a spectacular show this uh, Breeders' Cup was the return of Animal Kingdom, who, who was second to Horse of the Year candidate Wise Dan when he uh, set a record in the Breeders' Cup mile. It was just a fantastic effort, and it looks like Animal Kingdom is now uh, targeting the Gulfstream Park turf for his next start, and then eventually he's hoping to go into the uh, Dubai World Cup from that. So uh, look for him possibly February 9th. If you're near Gulfstream, you'll get a chance to watch the uh, Kentucky Derby winner. Speaking of horses of the year, uh, Zenyatta, who retired after the 2010 season as a winner of 19 of 20 starts, well, her little sister is going to debut tomorrow. So... If you are at Hollywood Park or near an outlet where you can see it, it'll be the fourth race at Hollywood. And she's uh, got all the same uh, connections pretty much that uh, that Zenyatta had as, as uh, far as uh, uh, John Sheriffs being the trainer. Interesting, she'll make her uh, debut at a mile and a 16. She is three-year-old, and uh, the difference is Zenyatta was by street cry, and her, this mare's name or Philly's name is Ebulosant, I'm going to guess. She's by Bernardini. Now, she was uh, going to be owned by the same guy, Eric Cronfield, who bred Zenyatta. Of course, Zenyatta was sold. But she's been training with sheriffs. They say she's had uh, 45 recorded workouts. So, obviously, he's put a pretty good base <laughs> into the half-sister to Zenyatta. Again, she'll be racing in the fourth at Hollywood tomorrow. Also out at Hollywood, some uh, interesting news. Mike Smith is going to replace Rafael Bayerano on executive privilege, expected to go to post December 8th in the half-a-million-dollar Hollywood starlet. Uh, Game on Dude is supposed to go to post in the quarter-million-dollar Native Diver Stakes at Hollywood, and Baffert has not confirmed who will ride. He says, look, Raphael is still our go-to guy, 
but uh, we use Martin Garcia, and in this case, we're going to use Mike Smith. So Rafael uh, did not have his best of days uh, on Breeders' Cup Day, and some of that perhaps didn't wear too well with uh, with Mr. Baffert. Let's uh, take a quick look at some of the races we handicapped last week. Uh, we went out to Rotama Park, and it was a day for Team Kitten as Ken and Sarah Ramsey dominated both of the stakes at Rotama Park, and they did it with their stud, Kitten's Joy, who's just absolutely uh, taken off. Kitten's Joy, of course, as you know, his horses uh, like uh, Polytrack. They like uh, they love grass, and they took both of these. The El Jovine was on the turf, and it was Admiral Kitten, Heavy, heavy favorite. Uh, Victor LeBron went up and rode for Mike Maker and took them both. Admiral Kitten got the top spot in the El Jovine over World Venturer and Mr. McCoy. And in the La Senorita, a race the Ramseys won last year, it was the closer we talked about. And this one went slightly odds on two, came out of a bad effort in the Alcibiades after stumbling rallied from seventh to first to win by three. Kitten's Dumplings is her name. Again, on the turf, by Kitten's Joy. Got to be the hottest grass stud in the U.S. So uh, congratulations to the Ramseys and to Mike Maker and Victor LeBron taking their show on the road. Then we went up, we handicapped up at Woodbine. It was the autumn, and James Street, put in a furious rally in the final furlong to take home that grade two effort. Uh, really looked good. It had to hustle, but did it. Uh, Patriot can proud, set a kind of a slow space, uh, pace in the autumn, and pretty much looked like a winner in the far term because uh, James Street was stuck down in traffic under Patrick Husbands, found room with a furlong left, and kicked in and got home on top by a half length. As we said last week, you want the horse for course. This horse had won five races at Woodbine and five races at the distance. So a horse for course at the distance and at Woodbine. Of course, uh, City Wolf uh, was uh, my pick in there. Ended up running sixth after pressing the pace. I always like that third time out. And then at Churchill Downs, uh, we went to the Cardinal Handicap, and this one was uh, kind of a scary one. It was uh, uh, Daisy Devine fought her way to victory. She got out there, got a lead, but nobody knew what the fractions were. The uh, the machine uh, didn't show on the tote board, so certainly uh, trainer Andrew McKeever was uh, a little scared. She actually had a six-length lead halfway into the race, and then all of a sudden Julie's Love, who wasn't even supposed to be there, Julie's Love went over to the sales in Lexington but didn't draw her reserve, so she ended up being in the race and put in one heck of a race. But Calvin Burrell is known from coming off the pace, squeezed just enough out on the front end to uh, to get the win for Daisy Devine and a real class act, Andrew McKeever, just a super, super guy. Well, uh, we've got uh, a lot of stud news. I can't cover it all, but Frankel, he's going to be going to stud for $200,000 if you want to go over there and breed to him, whereas Bernardini, he's going to stand stud He's going to stay staying in stud at $150,000. That's the highest of any stallion 
in North America. A lot of other stallion moves, too many to uh, go into. Another top one is uh, Tappet, who's going to stand for 125000 And then we've got a lot of new horses like Shackleford going to stud. Also seeing a lot of horses move to the New York program, uh, like Bob and John and Tufelsberg. It'll be very interesting to see how that casino money lures horses like them and boys at Toscanova and Mission Impassable uh, to the New York State program. Well, folks, it's time for the Big Johnson Show, so stay tuned with us. We'll be back with Billy Johnson, the jock agent, right after this break. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and we got a great parlay. It's the Big Johnson Show here. We got the brothers Johnson on, not the guys that uh, sang I'll Be Good to You or Strawberry Letter 23. Thunder Thumbs and Lightning Licks. Nope, not those boys. Right now we're talking to Billy. Later we're going to be talking to his brother Gary. Uh, since 2000, Billy uh, became the jockey agent for Deshaun Parker, and man, what uh, uh, marriage uh, those guys have had. Uh, they've uh, been the leading team in North America for 2010 and 2011. They continue to be within the top five 
for the fifth straight year in North America. Of course, uh, Billy uh, didn't just jump into the agent game. He started going to the racetrack with his father when he was five, ended up uh, worked in various positions on the backstretch until he was an assistant trainer. He was a racing official, uh, uh, entry clerk, clocker, placing judge, identifier. And then uh, in the early 1990s, he headed over to Mountaineer Park in West Virginia and started out as a jockey agent. And he is with me right now. Billy Johnson, how you doing, my friend? Doing great, John. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm happy to. You know, you've always been a real fun personality, a good, good person to be around, and not not a bad handicapper. Um, uh, all I can say is, uh, how many years have you had Deshaun? I mean, you guys have got an unbelievable relationship. Uh, we got together. I, I believe it was two, in the year 2000. We got together, and um, we we're both kind of in a transition stage. I, I needed a I needed a rider, and, and he was at, he had an agent that was that was doing a good job, but. He was just looking to make a change, and I, I was fortunate enough to uh, to where I've known Deshaun since he was 15 years old. Him and his father, uh, Daryl, and Gary and myself played on the softball team two summers in a row at Thistledown. So I kind of I kind of met him there, and we just kind of got got to know each other. Our paths crossed at Beulah when he rode there for a little while, and then when I went to Mountaineer, our paths crossed again, and then we just ended up hooking up. And it's just been like you said, it's it's a match made in heaven for both of us. Well, you've obviously done a good job. Well, let's let's rewind a little bit for our Winning Ponies listeners and kind of tell people. I'm wondering how hard it is to break in as an agent, but I got to think that you had a huge leg up with with the experience uh, working in the racing office and, and being a clocker and uh, you know growing up being on the back stretch and everything. But uh, you know, what, what's it like when you first break into the job? Um, for me, it was, it was actually pretty easy, like you said, because I'd already had like seven years as a racing official. So I've dealt with horsemen and what their needs are. And, you know, I've watched other agents, how they treat the, the horsemen. And I kind of patterned myself around stuff that some of them did right. And some of them did wrong. And I made friendships through the racing office because a lot of the people that I first started riding for at Mountaineer Park were were trainers that were coming from Kentucky to run, to run at Beulah Park. So I was actually um, like their liaison at Beulah in the racing office. If they needed to make entries, they usually made them with me because I had an idea what races would go, what races wouldn't, you know, how tough a race would look. Um, if they needed like a little extra, like they needed somebody to run their horse, I'd find somebody for them. I, I'd always go that little extra step for them. And, you know, I've tried to re- keep doing that as an agent. Um, I do the little extra stuff that, you know, because a lot of the trainers we ride for have not, not come to Mountaineer. So they, they need that little extra. And, and I've been very fortunate to, uh, to make some very good friendships and relationships with trainers over the years by doing that. Well, I got to think by, by having such a talented rider as Deshaun, uh, it, it's probably natural that, you know, if, if I'm a Kentucky based trainer, and obviously there's some nice purses up at Mountaineer. I'm going to look at the stats and go, oh, my God, i got to get this guy on my horse. And uh, so I'm guessing you get, you get calls from some pretty solid guys in Kentucky that perhaps you, you've never met, but they certainly want the services of Deshaun because, you know, when, when you look at, at his, uh, his, his stats, I mean, he, he right now is sitting on top, uh, you know, twice the amount of wins of the second jockey. Yeah, uh, you're right. Um, I, and it's funny you would say that because this year I made a trip to uh, Keeneland in the spring for closing day and opening day at Churchill, and I got to meet 
two of the trainers that have that have put us on a lot of horses over the last two or three years, and it was just kind of ironic. I met Jimmy Corrigan and Kellen Gorder, who we ended up riding Bourbon Courage in the West Virginia Derby for, and just got to be that I met. Um, I we'd rode horses for him for two or three years. I've never met him. I've talked to him on the phone, and I went introduce myself. So it just kind of you know made that relationship a little bit stronger. Now, when you're when you're looking at a race and you're trying to pick out who you who you want to ride Deshaun on, uh, do you actually handicap the race, or is it because you already know that oh, uh, trainer X, Y, or Z is in there, and we always ride for him? It's a little bit of both. Um, the the problem that we kind of, that I kind of run into is I try to handicap the races um, the way. I see how they're going to play out, but there's going to be, there's a several occasions, especially in the last couple of years that I would end up with, um, the two best horses in the race. So then I have to decide, you know, which trainer we're going to ride for. And, you know, I, and I, I believe me, I wish I could say that I make the right call every time, but I don't, um, I don't think anybody can. I try to do what's best for everybody. And um, never push you, you know, I, in one direction I, because he's been on the back of these two situations horses. Where my double calls were what I thought was probably as you know as good or better than the other horse, and I rode the wrong one. Well, I'm sorry I interrupted you for a minute. Um, does Deshaun ever give you some input and say, "Hey, Billy, I'd really rather be on this horse because he finished up great last time, even though we didn't get the win." You know, when we first started this out, um, yeah, I asked him quite a bit because I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with a whole lot of his business, and then I think he probably got tired of it. I mean, in only a joking way, he said, "I'll do the right, and you do the rest." So that's kind of been like our motto. Um, but there is, there are several times that I, I ask him um, if I think two horses are the same. I'll ask him, you know, which one do you think is better? Because obviously he's been on them and I haven't. And uh, and he he makes the call you know quite often he makes the right choice. Well, now as, as a jockey's agent, again we're talking to Billy Johnson from uh, Mountaineer Park. Um, there, there's got to be many times, as we just stated, where it comes down to two horses, and there's a possibility that Deshaun won on both of them last time out. How do you, as an agent, tactfully inform one of the trainers you won't be riding for him? Um, very carefully, actually. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate in a way because a lot, a lot of my trainers understand my situation. And if I can get them a top two or top three rider, it kind of smooths things over a little bit. It's the times that I can't get them that rider or, uh, you know, up until two months ago, I had Oswald Pereira who was in the top five. So I, it was easier to say, hey, listen, I can give you Oswald where he's top five and, and we'll smooth things over. That way I can keep it with our team. And then when that way, you know, that way at least they got one of my riders and they only deal with me. Um, and, but, you know, unfortunately he got hurt a couple months ago and he's going to be out about eight months. So it kind of left me hanging a little bit. But if I get them a top two or top three rider, uh, sometimes it'll smooth it over. Um, not everybody's happy every day. I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, I try to make everybody happy, but it doesn't always work. Well, yeah, that, that's got to be tough. Now, do most agents uh, carry two jockeys, and uh, two is usually the limit, correct? Uh, two is the limit. Um, a lot of agents carry two. There are um, occasions where an agent would only carry one rider. Um, Tim Frecking is one of our top agents here, and he only carries one rider. 
and that's T.D. Houghton. Um, I like the two-rider system because um, I like the action, obviously. I mean, you've you've been around me enough. You know how much action I like. I um, I like the action, and plus it gives me two options to keep people happy. And, um, you know, I can lock up some business that way. Well, the, the, the day in the life uh, of, uh, of, of Billy Johnson or any jockey agent that's a good one has uh, it, got to be a full one. How has the modern technology out there helped you do your job? Um, in the last, I would say the last seven or eight years, it has helped me a lot. Um, and you, you speak of the, the average day. Like my average day, will I'll be up anywhere from 6 to 6.15 every day. Um, most of the time, I'll get a phone call from one of my Kentucky trainers because they're always training it early. But even when they don't, I'll get up and watch replays from the races the night before, or I'll check charts. And that way, when I go to the track in the morning, I don't do a whole lot of groundwork in the barn area because most of our business is shipping business. Um, so I, I do most of my stuff um, on paper in my car or on my computer, which I always have with me. And, um, you know, I, I try to I keep charts on all the races, the equibase charts. I keep... Um, you know, obviously with these, the new wave of betting sites, it's easier to watch replays that way. And that helps me quite a bit. And there's another system that I use to pull up cuts on horses, um, that, that helps me knowing, like, if I have two horses going to race, I'll know what both horses look like before the overnight comes out. Now that's a huge edge. Whereas 10 years ago, we didn't have all this information. I know. It's unbelievable. I mean, not now you can just pick up your phone and watch. You know the horse's last race. Uh, you know, right in the right in the palm of your hand, and know know what you're sitting on. And same for your jack. You can see how the horse went. Let's say the horse last started at, at Keeneland or someplace. He can actually watch and you know see how the horse goes. It's pretty amazing. Now you obviously got one of the most impressive riders in the United States with, with the record that he's had over the past couple of years. In your opinion, uh, what are the riders outside of Deshaun that impress you the most these days? Um, locally or nationally? Nationally. Nationally, um, there's several of them. I mean, obviously, you know, Brian Hernandez is a young rider, and he, and he rode a very good race in the Breeders' Cup. Um, I, I really could see him going places. Um, um, I, I'm not going to pronounce his last name correctly, but Leon, Leandro Gonzalez. I, I have always been a fan of his. Yeah. And, I, you know, obviously Ramon Dominguez, he's the best. I mean, it, it just... He just amazes you when you when you watch it because it just everything just looks so effort, effortlessly. The horse just runs. I mean, those are, those are probably three names that I you know that I would think that you know people should if they don't know them by now they should know them. Well, it, it, it's good because you know it, it, it's you know everything in this game is cyclical. You know, I talk to a lot of trainers and stuff that get you know that are good trainers. I use an example of Jeff Greenhill that's been on the show recently. And he'll, he'll start sending me emails, oh, boy, I'm coming in. I said, Jeff, just wait, just wait. You know it's cyclical. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 he's hitting state, you know, he's winning stakes races, yep. and uh, his first-timers are winning and going out and everything. And, and, and it's the same way w- w- with riders, you know. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah. hey, I got it. I caught on. And I think you used a great example in, in, in Brian Hernandez, who, A, has always been a very good rider, but he's one of those guys that somehow, because he's competing on the very tough Kentucky circuit, gets lost in the mist. And I think it's kind of neat now right. that, that a guy like him is, is getting the spotlight. Well, and, and, you know, just speaking locally, I mean, not 
and I'm not, I can't take all the credit for it. Cause I, I mean, I don't, I think I've done some of it. I don't think I've done all of it, all of it, but you know, Deshaun was not, he was not always a top rider here. You know, it wasn't until like the last seven or eight years that we, you know, that to be, you know, one, two, three in the standings that like parentally, I mean, every year. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, everything comes down to it. You, you have to have a clientele on our end. You, I mean, you mentioned Jeff Greenhill. Jeff Greenhill is a great trainer. I mean, he's, I think he's very underrated. I mean, honestly, I mean, he wins races everywhere. I mean, he may not win at a 40% clip, but when Jeff leads them over, they're ready to run. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, you know, and he doesn't, you know, he ships the Mountaineers sometimes. He, he was shipping the press out quite a bit in the summer. And Jeff's a very good trainer and does an excellent job. He's, you know, I, I haven't had the, the, the privilege to ride for him very often. And I've had a couple of times where I, I could have rode for him and had to ride somebody else, but. Um, anytime he calls me, names me on a horse, I look forward to it because I know the horse is going to run. Well, he's just a, another one of those guys that kind of goes under the radar. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that Deshaun can, uh, can, you know, win the national title and wins and, uh, not, in my opinion, get all of the credit he, he should get for, for as hard as he tries. He, he's not riding the Cadillac. Some of these guys are, but he and Billy Johnson are getting the job done and they have perennially. Billy, Thanks so much for spending the time with me, but I don't want to get in trouble with your brother Gary because I see that he's uh, uh, on hold and ready to roll. So thanks so much for your time, and say hi to Deshaun for me, will you? I will, John. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. That's Billy Johnson here on Winning Ponies. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to be with his brother Gary, who is not only a top handicapper, but during his life has been a top trainer. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and we're continuing with the Brothers Johnston Show. That's right. Uh, we talked to Billy. Now we're going to talk to Gary. Uh, Gary's a professional handicapper. Uh, the great thing is he's seen the sport of racing from so many sides, a, an extremely accomplished trainer. He won 26 meets at Thistledown. He's won a meet at Mountaineer Park. In 2001, he finished seventh nationally, a number of wins with 205 victories. In 2000, he was ranked 13th. In 2002, he's the 18th leading trainer in the country. Uh, also, Gary's worked as a jockey agent, a chart caller for Equibase. Uh, he's the current track handicapper for Beulah Park. Uh, and he's very familiar to those of you that play the handicapping contest. He's a good competitor there, and over the past several years, he consistently has qualified for the National Handicapping Champion in Las Vegas. And I've thrown some tough races at him that we'll get to in a little while, uh, the Million Dollar Delta Downs Jackpot, the Discovery at Aqueduct, and two races that will be run under the lights at Churchill Downs. But with me right now is Gary Johnson. Gary, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, John. It's my pleasure to join you. Well, I'm, I'm glad uh, that, that you can. You know, I was going through a magazine the other day that listed all the, the qualifiers in the National Handicap Championship, and Gary Johnson just kept popping up. And I'm like, wait, I know this guy. That's that uh, Gary Johnson. We go, so I said, I've got to get go back you on the show way. to help our Winning Ponies listeners come away with a few winners of the races I, I just mentioned. But first I want to talk a little bit about, about, your, about your background uh, coming up in the game. Why don't you uh, paint a picture of your entrance into the game and how you – You've come to be a competitor at the handicapping championships. Uh, really, going to, after the training, you know, at the end of my training career, um, I saw they had these contests. I never participated, and I quit training like in 2006. And I think I entered my first contest in 2008 at Beulah Park. And the irony about it was they had an NHC championship, and uh, I was working Equibase that day, and they canceled live racing. <laughs> and uh, so I, I went from the clubhouse or uh, from the press box downstairs to the grandstand and got in a contest and uh, finished fifth and ended up qualifying for Vegas. And it was only my second time in Vegas ever. And, uh, you know, I had a little luck that day and uh, kind of got uh, attached to it. You know, it's a, now, a lot of fun. I, I've got to wonder, how did being a successful uh, trainer, how has it helped you in your handicapping? I mean, you as a trainer, you would probably – point horses to certain races, or you would have a style of training. Um, tell me, as as a trainer, do you feel that that's been a big plus in you being able to handicap as well as you do? It is, John. And, and in reality, when I train, probably 50% of my entries in enough sports to have a lot of horses, I ran an entry. You know, I usually have one and one A in a race, and I usually handicap the race, and they give me a lot of opportunities. Not only want to race the trainer, but, you know, handicapping-wise, I didn't let no have a long speed in the race. I'd always uh, have somebody to push it or, you know, run the closer if there were a lot of speed and scratch my other speed. So, uh, for sure, it helped me a lot. 
Well, I, I've got to, I got to think it gave you an edge when, when you're looking at a race and you're kind of watching a trainer and you're seeing, oh, I can see what this guy's doing. You know, he, he's, he's been setting this horse up to maybe go long the first time or uh, right. a series of works uh, spaced just the right way where he's ready to strike with a first-timer. Um, do you have a style of, of, of handicapping? I mean, it could be class. It could be current form. It could be trainer angles. Do you use speed figures? I know I just threw a lot of questions at you, but I'm just wondering for, for guys to be able to get to the national championships, what, what, what style of handicapping do you use, or does it change from race to race? You know, John, since I've been a kid or you know, younger, I've used a racing form. And through my whole life, I'm still a form guy. You know, I buy a form uh, a couple days out. I love to read the form. I don't never go by any buyer's speed figures. I mean, a lot of people do, but I'm an old-fashioned handicapper. I love to get a trip out of a race or visualize it in my head and uh, use a racing form. That's about it. Now, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the trip. Are you now utilizing a lot of the modern techniques where um, – you can get races on your phone. You can go to a kiosk at your local OTB parlor and, uh, you know, actually view a race either right after it happened or before you want to handicap the race. You know, that's, that's, that's a tough one because, like I heard you telling my brother about the technology, and it really can get overwhelming. To me, it's just too much. I've tried it all. You sit down. Before you know it, you've had four different horses in a race, you know, just by doing all the, all the different angles. You'll see a horse get in trouble. But, you know, then you'll say, oh, the horse is going to win the day. And then you, the horse gets back in a race where it's really kind of overmatched or it's in a paceless race. So, you know, I try to go each race at a time, you know, as I go and uh, kind of use the form. Well, with, with, with you and, of course, your, your brother being, being a jockey agent, I, I think it's kind of ironic that I found out that you gave Deshaun Parker his, his first mount professionally. Um, how important is the jockey factor? And, and the, the question here is, does it matter less? at the major tracks where you've got all the top jockeys, where it does at more of a mid-range track, like, let's say, Mountaineer Park? I believe the jockey is most of the race. I mean, let's be, let's be fair about it. You know, it's like a wide receiver in a football game. If they can't catch the ball, it doesn't matter how fast they run. So, I mean, to me, it's jockeys. I love uh, jockeys that read a form or at least look at it. You know, gives them a little insight what's going on once they leave the jocks room. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of jocks, and I know a lot of them don't even – know what a form is and uh you, know, you always like that guy that's on top of a horse that kind of knows how the race is going to be set up you know Domin- Domingos would be probably the perfect example he does a handicapping for me when i'm watching the aqueduct race you know he knows where to be <laughs> there you go well we've got four races and i've got so many questions for you i'm gonna have to have you on again but uh, uh big d just told me i've got about three minutes so well i think what we'll do is let's break down as best we can the Delta okay. Downs jackpot, and then we'll go to break, and then we'll come back and we'll do the other three races I mentioned. Now, this Delta Downs jackpot it just gives us angles galore. I mean, you know, not, you know, you're going down to the bayou, and you've got horses that have won uh, the Sanford Stakes, that have won Breeders' Cup Stakes. Uh, you've, got, you've got horses with I'll Have Another's Connections coming in here. Uh, how did you look at this race? I mean, I'm just in awe. of I, I can't ride, see anybody really jumping big to the top. What a field, you know. I mean, you mentioned these horses coming out of here. I see uh, Shanghai Bobby beat the nine horse golden since last time. But I handicapped the race, you know, didn't spend a whole lot of time. But the my angle is the horse that ran over Delta. I mean, the one horse, Burn Identity, the horse was unbelievable. If any, you know, you mentioned reruns, you go watch that rerun. And Paco Lopez, he looked back the whole race, so he was much the best. 
The horses stayed there since it run, which I think is a lot of pl- you know a big plus. Doesn't have to ship them for the race and drew the one hole. So you ask me a question, I give you a good answer there. Yes, you did. As a matter of fact, I have a star by Works, and I noticed okay. that uh, they shipped there for the Jean Lafitte. And it looks like they stuck around the best of 65 at Delta Downs on November 10th, seven days ago. And, uh, you know, again, the horses had a trip over the track. It's going to have a familiar jockey. Uh, obviously, a couple of horses we can't throw out or maybe we want to put underneath. Um, Hall of Famer D. Wayne Lucas. I'll tell you what, I was there at the Breeders' Futurity. This horse got roughed up big time that race and then comes back he winds the horse back that he'd been going long twice with and wins the breeders cup juvenile sprint and as you may call it was the first race of the entire breeders cup series that was one hell of a race uh d wayne you can't throw out number five hightail I, I see that horse. You know, I, I looked at it, and, you know, it's kind of quick backs for me, you know, running. I mean, the horse ran unbelievable, ran his head, though. So, I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking the horse could bounce, but uh, probably want him to beat. I mean, how can it not be? Well, I, I'm just saying I, I I don't think distance would, would be the problem. If anything, like you said, it, it, it could be the fact that uh, the horse has been a long way over the last uh, month or so. And of, of the two Doug O'Neill trainees, uh, I think they both got a whole lot of talent. If you can throw out the, the, the turf race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Race, no more is very dangerous. And like you said, Golden Sense ran second to Shanghai Bobby in the Champagne. How do you split those two? Uh, post position could be the difference, possibly. I think there's a little bit of speed inside, so the nine golden sense might get a little bit of a rough trip. Uh, this Delta's tough, tight turns, you know. I mean, uh, if you get caught in a speed duel there, you know, the, the angle turning for home, you know, the horses seem to swing out and, and close really well there, but, uh, you know, I can't really separate them. I mean, it's kind of a guess, you know. John, if you look at this race, probably seven or eight of them to win. I mean, it's really that kind of race. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So there might be a price there for, for our listeners. Well, here's what we're going to do, Gary. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'm really going to put your feet to the fire because we got three tough races, one from New York and two from Churchill to handicap. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, I'm with former trainer and successful professional handicapper, Gary Johnson, and we're going to take three races now. I'm going to ask him to put 10 pounds in a five-pound sack. We're going to do the Discovery at Aqueduct. Then we're going to Churchill for their final downs after dark to look at the Commonwealth Turf and the Mrs. Revere. Let's start with the Discovery Handicap. There's only a half a dozen going to post, but still... There are angles all over the place with this race. i got to guess most of the public is going to be looking at this horse, Willie Beeman. Maybe they'll write a story about this gelding before his career is done. Um, a horse that was once claimed for 25000 and then within a span of three days uh, wins the Albany Stakes for New York Breads and comes back and wins the grade one Kings Bishop. He, he's quite the story, but are they asking a lot of them here in the Discovery, Gary? Well, I think he's been off too long. <laughs> He seems to win when he's off two days. He's did it twice, John. I mean, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> so mean, in this case, the rest is not going to do well for him, huh? I, I don't know. Why would he lay him up when he wins every two days? <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess, you know, the, the you know who would have thought we're, we're handicapping the Discovery Handicap, grade three at, at Aqueduct for 150000 that the that the horses we're looking at, the key races would be the Oklahoma Derby at Remington Park, or the Barbaro at Delaware. I know, I see that. And, um, you, you're speaking this Willie Beeman, and I'll tell you what, just put a guy out of business, you lose a horse like him. I mean, you got to keep watching this. Wow. So uh, who are you looking at here? If, if, he, well, if he's suspect because of his time away, which of the other horses do, do we look at? Well, John, you know, the four races you gave me, this would be probably, I got the strongest opinion. I really like the one guilt trip. Um, a big angle for myself handicapping is I love catching a three-year-old that's been facing older horses. That'd be the first thing. And also, not only was he facing them, he was beating them. So I think the one guilt trip, and a really paceless race also. Um, this is going to be a Chalky's race. I think uh, Willie Beeman, you know, sitting on the outside, really don't have the kind of speed that wants to go to the lead. So I'm looking for a guilt trip here and a perfect trip from the rail. Yeah, I mean, Chad Brown has obviously taken his time with this horse, uh, the horse was purchased for $200,000 at the Fazic Tipton sale. And what I see with what he's done with this horse is just the horse has gotten better every single race. As you stated, as a three-year-old in his entire career, has raced against three and up, which is a great catch on your part. And records, I know you're not big on the speed figures, but I do kind of like the buyer speed figures. Uh, he goes from a 67 to an 84 to a 91. That's a horse that's going places, in my opinion. I think Chad Brown's uh, d- done a great job with him. Uh, switch from uh, uh, Velasquez to Castellano, because uh, Velasquez is going to be at, at Churchill. So, uh, not a bad switch trip. either, John. Not a bad, not a bad, not a bad switch. No, 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 not not at all, not at all. So it'll be very interesting. We'll we'll see if Willie Beeman will be Beeman on Saturday at Aqueduct or if Guilt Trip is the new kid on the block. Now, as I stated earlier, 
uh, at Churchill Downs, this is going to be their final uh, day, Downs After Dark. And for our listeners, I want to let them know the first post on Saturday will be 4.30 at Churchill. And they've got a pretty darn good card and some very bettable races. And one of them is the first one that Gary and I are going to handicap, and that is uh, the Commonwealth Turf. We, we mentioned earlier comparing oranges to oranges, horses uh, coming out of uh, similar stakes races. Well, here we've got uh, the top three finishers in the Hawthorne Derby are going to be here, plus two other horses that were in the Hawthorne Derby. Now, I watched that race, Gary, because we handicapped that race. Uh, I'm winning ponies several weeks ago. It was run in a quagmire. It was a, I was questionable whether or not they were going to go on the turf. They had storms up in Chicago, and it was a very soft turf course. Uh, the winner was two months' rent, but right there with two months' rent was uh, Bill Mott's uh, film shot, and there's another horse that's in this horse uh, who was Lee. Rosie went up there and was a slight favorite in that race. I don't know if it was the soft uh, course or whatever that, that cost it the shot, but uh, the uh, the other horse that kind of reminds me of Willie Beeman in here is King David. Uh, this horse doesn't know what Barney's going to wake up in. Uh, he's had four different trainers uh, since uh, November of last year and was uh, claimed for 35000 And now Mike Maker, very, very sharp trainer, as we stated earlier in the show, won both of the stakes at Ratama last week, uh, comes into town with King David, uh, who just is, is, is a turf terror. Anyhow, so do, do, you, do you like uh, one of the horses coming out of the Hawthorne Derby? Do you like King David, or am I totally off the board? I think you're on the board. Uh, the only knock at King David is, you know, he had the one hole last time at Belmont, and now he's going to get the 11 hole, which, you know, I, I, you know, I'm looking at trips a lot of times in a mile 16th on a turf, you know. Outside, you got to be a little bit better because it's naturally going to be a little wider. Also, looking to one film shot. That's the horse I think uh, got the best to draw here in the post position on, a, on a, kind of another race, not a whole lot of speed, especially no speed inside. And uh, Linaldo Gonzalez is one of my favorite jobs uh, at this time. So, I mean, I'm looking for him to get a perfect trip and uh, probably have a pretty good price on a rail. Yeah, I was looking at that because I looked at to the horses just to the outside of them. You've got to get out to finale uh, to see where the speed is. Again, always dangerous. You, you got uh, Velasquez uh, coming in to ride for Pletcher. He didn't ride in the Hawthorne Derby. Uh, ended up uh, setting all the pace in that race. But again, I'm telling you, that track was such a quagmire. I can't blame this horse for for getting uh, for, for getting tired. But it'll be very interesting uh, just to see what happens if if it was the the course condition or. Uh, that the fact that uh, two months rent is really that much better. Um, let's go now to our final race that we're going to handicap. It's going to be the ninth race at Churchill, uh, the Mrs. Revere. And this, again, we're talking about horses that you're able to compare them to each other. Uh, the Valley View at Keeneland, you've got the top three finishers, even though they split the divisions in there. Um, you got the top three finishers in one edition. It was the second edition uh, coming with Miss Ida, English class, and leading astray. Yeah, you're, yeah, what a tough race. I mean, I'm looking here. You know, of course, you give me all tough ones. Why don't you give me a Beulah race? Hey, well, no, no, man, you're the, you're the expert there. i got to give you something <laughs> tough. Well, what I'm looking at, as much as you've got all those horses that you can compare to each other, it, I think on the edge of class we're looking at center court, and I see that uh, Rusty Arnold's uh, bringing in Julian Le Paru to ride. 
Yeah, yeah, and I got to note that the horse is two for two at Churchill on a turf, which is always a good angle to look at when you're trying to get a race that uh, you're really undecided about, you know, how the horses run at that course and uh, at the track. So uh, the horse is two for two. I was looking a little bit at the sixth English class. Uh, had a horrible beat last time. You know, you talk bad beats. I mean, the horse got beat right on the money for, for all the money, which at 25 to one. So, you know, it's probably... Uh, She's going to be a decent price in here, and she had also another one of those angles had, if you notice, had ran against older horses her prior five starts and uh, got in with three-year-olds. was pretty competitive. I love that angle, and I think it's one that that's, that's overlooked a lot. I mean, let's face it. We, we are given so much information to digest in a racing uh, form, especially when you're trying to cash a bet. It, it's yeah, the worst time to overlook like it. And, you, and you've noticed it not once but twice tonight. Well, the worst time to overlook is when he hit the wire and the horse is twenty five to one and you didn't bet it. <laughs> right. It. Yeah, let me let me look back at this and see. Well, it's always easy to to, to find that out. Yeah, English class was one of them that day. That's why I'm laughing about it. You know, I, I threw her completely out in that spot, you know, she almost got there and Well, I'm you know, again, I'm kind of you looking at uh at 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 center court, I'm thinking just off the class, you know, running against against Dave the Spa, Stephanie's Kitten, and, and horses like that. But uh, we'll, we'll, you know, English class is definitely one of the horses I've got. A, I've got an X next to, so hopefully we can come up with the exacta. Uh, well, uh, Gary, I can't uh, thank you enough for for being on Winning Ponies, and I, I hope it's not the last time you can you can make it on with us. Hey, I'm uh, available anytime you need me, John. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, it has, and it was it was fun talking to your brother too. You're a good family of horsemen, ladies and gentlemen. That was Gary Johnson, professional handicapper. You'll see him at a handicapping contest near you. When you go to a handicapping contest, make sure before you do, yeah, drop into WinningPonies.com and pull down all of the great handicapping help that they can give you. So, for another edition of Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the track, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.